Welcome to the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings. For all things legal and some that aren't, I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Hessel and Rothenberg, Farley and Massidi. We're here today with Alicia Willette, Dean of Albany Law School. Welcome, Dean Willette. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for being here. It's very exciting to have my dean here at Miranda Warnings. Dean Willette, Albany Law School is the oldest law school in New York State. That's right. right. Yep. And the oldest independent law school in the nation. And founded when? 1851. <laughs> and we've had presidents, McKinley, Governor, mm-hmm. Cuomo uh, is a graduate. You just gave a honorary degree to Alexander Hamilton. That's right. Uh, and uh, so how is how are things going at Albany Law School today? Things are going very well at Albany Law School today. Uh, we uh, have great students. Our students are getting jobs, and that's uh, a huge measure of success. Uh, and our students are happy. Um, they're enjoying the experience of law school, which makes some lawyers laugh, right? It's not always a, a, a pleasurable experience uh, going through law school, but our faculty are really engaged with the students from the moment they walk on campus. And uh, we see that that makes a huge difference in terms of, of uh, preparing them for the practice of law in whatever form that will take. Uh, so uh, we have seen over the last several years uh, increasing um, size of our classes. Uh, the quality of the classes has uh, also increased and the diversity of our classes has increased uh, for four years in a row. And we're expecting another really terrific class uh, in August. Now, uh, the legal education across the country is facing some challenges. Um, What are the challenges that you're seeing in legal education, not only at Albany, but across the country? So I think there's a a couple of kinds of challenges. One of them has been enrollment. Um, uh, There was in uh, 2013 a real drop-off in interest in law school. We're seeing a real change in that nationally, and, and, and we... Um, we're even ahead of, of the national curve at Albany um, in terms of our number of applications, number of deposits that we're seeing. So there's a real interest in law again. Uh, it continues to be a challenge. Uh, I think the other challenge and the more substantive challenge is that law schools have to get ahead of the market um, in terms of what we teach our students and what our students uh, uh, learn and what skills they have when they graduate. And the market for legal education is just, or the market, the legal market is changing so much. Some students certainly will practice law in a very traditional way. They'll go into a law firm, whether it's a big law firm or a medium-sized law firm or small law firm, and and they'll either litigate or they'll do transactional work. We know how to do that kind of training. Uh, But the practice of law is changing in many ways, and many, many students are going to go out into a world where they have to be really innovative and entrepreneurial in creating their careers uh, so that they may end up uh, working alongside startup companies, or they may end up uh, creating a practice that's very different from what they thought. And so one of the challenges that we have is is trying to figure out what are the skills and the not what's the knowledge that students are going to need for that kind of uh, moving market and how do we, how do we train them uh, so that they've got these transferable skills what kind of uh, 
changes or additions to the curriculum uh, are you seeing to address some of these issues to make uh, law students become more practice ready when they become attorneys? Well, so we're seeing that a lot of students are, are end up in an area where they need to have some traditional business skills, strategic thinking, how to read a spreadsheet, spreadsheet how, to, how to manage people, how to uh, sort of do leadership um, in, on the job. Uh, so that is, those are some of the, the things that we are deliberately building into the curriculum in Albany, and we're seeing that across the country. We're not alone in, in doing that. Uh, we also uh, know that legal employers don't want to do all the training uh, um, during that first year that they, they hire our graduates. They want them to have some experience. So every student uh, has to uh, go through a clinical experience or a field placement. Most of our students are doing more than one um, so that every student that graduates law school has met a client, has handled a file, um, can hit the ground running uh, in, in a very practical way that they're not saying, you know, I don't, I don't even know where to start with this file. Uh, and and that becomes it makes it makes all of the study of law much more relevant for the students, right? Because they they've talked to clients, they they um, have been to court, uh, they may have have worked in the legislature, or the you know with the in the governor's office. So if they're interested in doing policy making, they've seen it and they've done it before they graduate. One of the difficult concepts I think for uh, any law student is that you're reading cases theory, uh, discussing those cases, and you're never really getting your hands around how this is going to apply to anybody. Um, and that's something that I think uh, law schools obviously are maybe doing a better job of. Yeah, today. I don't think that's true anymore. Right. Um, I, and it's certainly not true where I am, that that there are there are some courses where the, the first year courses... I went to courses, law school 30 years ago. Right, so. right. We've changed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... Um, uh, even in the first year courses, where there's certainly that, there's certainly the Socratic method. There's the the you know struggling with with uh, Pearson versus Post, and you know who owns that little fox, right? Uh, but then there, then there are the the application. There there are opportunities within those big classes to break out and apply. Uh, those concepts in a much more practical way. It may ha it, it may happen in some of the first year courses. It definitely happens in second and third year courses. We don't want our students to just be up in the clouds because most of our students are going to go out and practice law. Right, right. Now let's say uh, someone who is a let's say senior in high school, someone that's in college, thinking about going to law school. Uh, what would be the most significant factor that uh, a law school would look at as to whether they would A, get into law school, and B, whether they would have a likelihood of success in graduating and, and uh, passing the bar exam? So uh, we certainly um, will look at, at things, traditional things like grades and LSAT scores, but more importantly, we want to see grit. We want to see that, that this is someone who has committed to something, is passionate about something, is interested in something, and I don't care what it is. Um, if your passion is ballet, we can work with that, right? If your passion is, is that you're an athlete, 
so much of the practice of law is getting kind of beaten up and then standing up and, and facing it all again the next day, right? And, right. and, um, and law school is hard. Uh, and we know that, that some very, very smart people will come and not succeed. Uh, and we know that some people whose academic records may not look perfect, but they've got something in their record that says this is a person who's passionate, who cares, if, 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 that they're going to commit, um, and that they're going to work hard. Um, because work ethic is really everything uh, when it comes to success in, in law school. And work ethic is something that you can't necessarily tell from a standardized uh, exam. So if someone was in college and thinking about law school, what kind of advice would you give to them now? Let's say they're two years out. So if they're uh, two years out of law school, I well, no, for, two years out uh, of uh, uh, two uh, years out of going into law school. Go, okay, two years out of what should uh, they be doing? Um, first of all, they should be studying something that they love, um, so that they can talk about it with some passion. Um, they should be making connections uh, with faculty so that they can get good references and and maybe um, having some internships experience, internship experience that's relevant to something. Um, again. For us, it's great to see someone who's done an internship in, in a law-related field, but I'm just as happy to have someone who's gone abroad and done something really cool in another country, like teach English as a second language. Uh, it shows that sort of you know, willingness to take some risks, willingness to, to make some mistakes, uh, and some of those things that tend to make lawyers great. Um, so I want to see those things. I would also say to a college student, it's worth doing some practice for the LSAT test because like it or not, uh, it is part of how we measure you. It's going to affect um, your opportunities and, and your chance for scholarship. And there is so much scholarship money being uh, offered right now by law schools so that students don't need to go to a, uh, uh, the most expensive law school and graduate with a, a huge debt. They can go to a school with a, 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 that um, offers them a really good deal so that they are then have choices at the end and, and aren't sort of bound by golden handcuffs. So. The other thing I would say to every student is go visit the law schools. Each law school has very, very different character and, and a very different feeling and, and offers a different experience in, time, in terms of community. And it's a, it's a three or four year experience for, for most students. It's incredibly intense. You make the best friends of your life, right? I mean, it's uh, the, uh, you, you make connections with faculty who will be your advocates for your life. So I, I think that the students who go and visit are way ahead of the students who try to just figure it out from a website. Of course, sometimes you can't afford to go visit everywhere, but many schools will actually offer travel stipends uh, for someone, you know, they'll help a little bit. They'll give you $100 to, to go across the country uh, to come and visit schools because we know that we're building a community um, when we build our class. And uh, we want people who, who really want to come and have the experience we have to offer. And, and I know that's true for other schools. A lot of students, the main thing on their mind when they're in law school is passing the bar exam, obviously, and uh, becoming uh, practicing attorneys. And so uh, law school, obviously, will be thinking about making sure that their students are prepared for the bar exam, not just the practice of law, but the first hurdle of, of passing the bar exam. In New York State, uh, in July of 2016, for the first time, we had a new bar exam. Uh, prior to July of 2016, we had a New York State 
specific uh, bar exam, and then in July of 2016, we've uh, we've converted over to the the UBE, the uniform bar examination that's used by I don't know uh, maybe 26, 26 states. And New York, is New York the largest state that's in the UBE? I think that's right. So how has, two, I guess, two-pronged. First thing is, is, has there been any changes in the Albany Law curriculum to uh, address the UBE? And then how, how, what's the impact that you've seen as a result of the UBE? So uh, with respect to the Albany Law curriculum, when, when the, the transition was made, our faculty took a look at, at what they were teaching. Many students come to Albany Law School because they want to practice law in New York. It's the right. legal capital of the world, right. right? So we have always prided ourselves on, on teaching New York law. We continue to do that, but in some classes, the faculty have added um, material to really kind of cover what the majority or the, the, the uniform rule to the extent there's such a thing is. So there has been some shift. Trust in estates is one area where I know our, our professor, Professor Bloom, really had to revamp things. Uh, um, business organizations was another. What are they going to test and are we, are we, may, are we covering that in, in the basic course? We've seen a big shift with our students um, with respect to, to New York practice. So uh, we teach, we, we had David Siegel, the, right. the uh, king of New York practice. We have Pat Connors, the current, the, the heir to the, the throne. Um, far fewer of our students are taking the New York practice course than, than used to. And, and we are having to really um, deliberately have the conversation with the students about what the benefit of really understanding procedure in, in New York procedure is. It's not tested on the bar. That's shocking to many employers. Um, and, and the employers want, uh, especially the traditional firms, they like our students because they know how to, how to uh, deal with different procedural um, questions and, and they have that expertise. So uh, that's, that's a bit of a challenge for us. The upside of the UBE is what it does for our students when they're looking for jobs. Um, and I underestimated this when, when I heard about the UBE and, and uh, Judge Lipman was talking about transferability. It, it, it's huge uh, for them that they know that they can take the bar in New York and they can go work in New Jersey or Massachusetts or on the West Coast uh, in one of the states or in, the, in, in uh, one of the one of the 26 and it's growing that number may not, may not even be accurate anymore uh, because more and more states are taking the UBE it allows students to think about about their lives in a very different way they're not necessarily settling down in New York as soon as they they pass the bar the way that I did I, I was admitted in, in New York and Massachusetts and I'm telling you I'm not taking another bar exam so I'm gonna live in New York or Massachusetts for as long as I'm doing law uh, and our students don't have have that, right? There, it's easy for them. Uh, they can they can go and transfer that. Um, it's also allowed us to attract students to New York who may want to go home and practice in a UBE state. So, uh, you know, say you're in 
and I don't have the list in front of me, but um, say you're in Arizona and it's UBE State and, and you think I might want to try um, law school in New York. I might want to get some internship experience and see if this is where I want to practice, but I also might want to go home. They can do that much more easily. So it's really nationalized the practice in a way that I think benefits our students tremendously. Are you seeing an uptick in uh, out-of-state uh, applicants yes. to the law school? Yes, so very much. And we have, we have deliberately uh, done some advertising and some recruiting in some of the UBE states for that very reason. Uh, we think I mean we think Albany is a great place to come. You're close to the city. You're not in the, the heart of it. You can get get a a, a great uh, practical experience where while you're here, and you can then bring it home if you want to. Uh, or not. I think uh, for many years, and, and, and maybe that's changing, but Albany was, Albany Law School was considered, you know, the place to go if you want to practice in New York, uh, especially upstate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had, uh, as you mentioned, some really uh, tremendous teachers. Um, I can recall New York practice was uh, two, you had to take two semesters of, of New York practice, uh, both because it was on the bar exam and because you had to, I think, right. when you were going to law school, which was one of the more difficult classes. Uh, but also, I'm going to say probably one of the classes that I used the most in my practice. Right. Uh, and so I think every minute that was spent uh, in New York practice was worthwhile. And I would feel like if you're going to be practicing in New York and you're not taking those two semesters of New York practice, that you're doing a disservice to, to, your, to yourself. Yeah, I, I agree. And I have that conversation with students. I, I ask them the question about what, what they want to do with their law degree and if they intend to practice in any way, um, even, even, even in the criminal side, because many people who start criminal end up civil. Um, I think that they are really missing an opportunity by, by not taking New York practice. I also, um, I have the conversation with students about a conversation that I've had with several employers who say that the first question in an interview for a student from Albany Law School is, who did you have for New York practice? And if the answer is, I chose not to take it, that's the end of the interview. Um, And our students don't know that. I I think that is, it is an unintended consequence of moving to the, the UBE that the students have really moved out of taking near practice or valuing it. We're seeing a shift back. Our numbers have gone back up uh, with students taking that course. Uh, I, I think it's a really valuable course. I think it's also a great review for civil procedure, which is now tested on the bar the bar exam. And the students who are taking the bar next week are, are saying exactly that to me, that, oh, I'm so glad I took near practice because I reviewed all the civil procedure from first year. Uh, so we're working on it. I don't think, I, I think Albany is, has taken a different position from some of the other law schools. Some of the deans and, the, um, and uh, uh, professors from schools have talked about this, and, and some feel like, you know, you can come from wherever, Wyoming, and take the New York bar and set up shop and do just fine practicing in New York. I think they don't know what they don't know and what they're missing um, in terms of those procedural, the, that procedural knowledge and the ways, the many ways you can lose a case 
by not knowing one of the little permutations of the CPLR. So right. um, I'm a believer. What type of uh, job market are you seeing now for, for law students that are graduating and coming out of, uh, coming out of law school? So uh, students are getting jobs. Um, we've been um, high 80s, 90% job placement rate um, cons fairly consistently recently. Uh, students are, are still uh, getting the, the market has opened up a little bit um, in terms of the big law jobs. Uh, the, the summer classes have been bigger. Uh, and so more of our students are doing that who want to do that. Um, but the the most of our students will still go into smaller and mid-sized firms and, and upstate firms uh, the, the they're hiring. Um, there is an increase in number of opportunities for, for what we talk about as JD Advantage jobs, so compliance type jobs, whether that's in, in financial compliance, in banks, um, health compliance, uh, in either in, in with providers or uh, with health insurance companies. Uh, we're seeing students get those kinds of opportunities. JD Advantage means is JD that a, mean, not a law degree? It means that they it's they don't have to have passed the bar to do the work, um, but the employers prefer to hire someone with a JD into that job um, so that there's an advantage. Uh, and so it's a category that the, the ratings agency uses and the ABA uses. Uh, there are certain things that are considered JD Advantage jobs. So a compliance job with a bank would be a JD Advantage job, whereas if you, you um, get a job, I don't know, selling real estate or so, something where it doesn't matter whether you have a law degree, that's right. not going to be a JD Advantage job. Um, so we, we value the JD Advantage jobs. We find that for some of the students who come to law school, that, that doing that kind of compliance, not everyone wants to be a litigator, right? Not everyone wants to work the, the hours that, that law firms require. Some people want more um, uh, sort of family-friendly or balanced uh, uh, careers, or their skills are just better suited to being kind of behind the scenes doing that kind of work. And it's good work. It, uh, the pay is great. Um, and people have a lot of job satisfaction. So I'm just as happy to have someone take a job with a bank doing JD, uh, doing a compliance work as I am for someone to get a job at one of the firms here in Albany. What matters is whether they're going to have satisfaction in, in those jobs. So uh, we are seeing that. We're, we're seeing students... Uh, Who's a lot of students who start in firms who then then transition into other um, roles. They're going. Uh, uh, corporations are hiring in-house uh, at a much earlier stage in people's careers. Or, so they're, we're seeing that we're seeing people go in-house uh, with different companies, and um, that's kind of an exciting development. I think it's I think it's great for the the graduates who get those jobs uh, because you you kind of have this general practice in a, in a contained sense with one, you know, the corporation is your client, and uh, again, very high job satisfaction. We're seeing uh, across the country, not necessarily in New York, but across the country, that a handful of law schools are, are closing up. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of challenges are we seeing to the, just the legal education market across the country? So there was there was this huge contraction. Uh, the the um, number of applicants fell off almost fifty percent over or in a very short time, forty um, something percent, uh, and 
what that meant was that every school was competing much harder uh, for each student, um, and and the. Uh, there's a hierarchy, right? So the, the elite schools started poaching um, or taking students who would never have been considered. Um, so they were they were taking from the next level down, and it, it meant that that there was just much more competition for each student. Some schools made a decision, uh, for financial reasons probably, to fill the seats in their classes uh, and and continue to to get the revenue from tuition with students who, who were really not qualified um, to be in law school, or they didn't have the resources to help them if they, if they were there to get them through the bar. So uh, some of the, 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 it's been very, just a handful of schools that have closed, but it was predicted that this would happen. If the students aren't getting, if the graduates aren't getting jobs, and if they're not if, you know, fewer than 50% of the students are passing the bar exam, and in California, some of the one of the schools that closed had, I think it was like a 32% uh, bar passage rate. Right. You, you do sort of wonder: is is this sustainable? Why why would you be if and if it's a university that um, has a law school? Does it really add value to the university uh, to have an enterprise that's really not? doing what it's intended to do or is, is costing, um, is running a deficit and costing the university a whole lot of money. Uh, so there's, you know, there's budget pressures, there's pressures to, to, to get good quality students. That means that the, the offers for scholarship have gone up. The discount rate is how we talk about it, has gone up um, fairly dramatically in law schools just as it has in undergraduate institutions. And we're all having to think about What's the right size um, for the school? Uh, I would measure the right size by can we guarantee that, or come as close as we can to guaranteeing, but can we get jobs for all our, our students who graduate? Um, in, I mean, I'll tell you at, at Albany Law School, at, at times when the market was uh, was different and everyone was hiring gangbusters, we were we had as many as as 250 students. I don't I don't want to be that big again. I believe 180 is the right number of students for us. That has implications in our budget, right? Because we're tuition dependent. So um, so we are growing graduate programs. Um, we're growing master's programs. We have a new certificate, an online certificate in cybersecurity law that, that is designed for people who are, are practicing, either practicing law or practicing law-related things and want to learn in, in this field. Um, we're growing programs in health compliance and financial compliance and, and uh, uh, it, places where um, someone may not want to get a full law degree but wants to get some education in law. And it brings in a different kind of student, you know, practicing um, uh, healthcare professionals uh, into the law school or in our online programs. And, and so all of the law schools are struggling with, with, with that. You know, how, how, do you, how do you make sure that you're, you're um, fiscally sound? Um, given the pressures, the economic pressures of a smaller applicant pool and and not resorting to just filling up seats to bring in money and, and potentially either bringing down the quality of the class or even if you have a great quality class, if you can't get them jobs, um, it, then, then we're back in a bad cycle. So I think that we're seeing that and I think some of the schools that have closed have, have struggled on, on one end or the other. So we're, so we're kind of working backwards because the goal is 
not necessarily just to have students. The goal is to have uh, uh, attorneys that are practicing with jobs, and then you work backwards. How is the law school going to help yeah. get you there? Yeah, exactly. So it's been really wonderful having you here, Dean Willett. We have a feature on Miranda Warnings where we talk about uh, music, book, or movie, any sort of artistic performance that means something to you that you might want to share. Okay. Um, well, I will, I will share. You mentioned earlier about um, giving um, Alexander Hamilton an honorary degree, and um, I um, had the honor of his, his great-grandson, Types 5, uh, came and accepted this degree. So all things Hamilton, right? The, right. the music, the show. Um, and I read Ron Chernow's book, which I would recommend to anyone. Um, it's a really wonderful book. It's long. It's incredibly well-written. And um, the life of Alexander Hamilton is, is really um, inspiring and interesting. And his wife is incredible. And uh, so that, that's where I am right well, now. Well, it's interesting <laughs> you should mention that because you, you spoke at the beginning about what you look for in a law student. And you talk about grit and passion. And certainly Alexander Hamilton although he was alive before the law school was even in existence, uh, would have been someone uh, that fit those characteristics that you're looking for for an Albany Law student. So that's exactly right, and that's exactly what Douglas Hamilton said at commencement. He actually he, he said he did a lot of uh, um, uh, research um, when I when we contacted him and said we'd like to do this and, and Alexander Hamilton had studied in Albany there was no law school at the time but um, he studied and he took the bar here so so we felt that this was not just a random thing this right. this actually made sense of course he has a great connection to uh, Albany great right. connection His to Albany as well. and uh, he and Douglas Hamilton uh, said you know there's no place that he would have this is where he would have gone to law school he would have fit in this community he, he's the kind of student that you accept and he actually read a letter that Alexander Hamilton had written um, thanking, it was, it was directed to the mayor, but it, had, it was a completely unpublished letter that was the family owned. And, and when Douglas was preparing his remarks for commencement, it fell, it literally fell from the stacks, this letter. Um, and he looked at it, he had never seen it. It was a letter by Alexander Hamilton to the, the mayor of New York, thanking him for the honor of giving him a key to the city. And Douglas said, you know, this, this is, is perfect for what Alexander Hamilton wants me to say to you. And he said, dear Dean Willett. And then he read this, this incredible letter about the honor of getting the Albany Law School de degree. So um, it was really a very special moment uh, for all of us. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. <laughs> sounds when everything falls into place uh, right? perfectly. Right. So Dean Willette, you obviously ha you have a great grit and passion for uh, your law school and your law students and legal education. I thank you for sharing it with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings for all things legal and some that aren't.